And we are live. We are live, Benny. Live on the Mommy Imperfect YouTube channel. So whichever way you're consuming the podcast, whether you're watching it on YouTube live or watching it again after broadcast or whether you're just listening to the audio version as you're just going for a walk or catching up, whatever you're doing, welcome to the sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect. So I'm Mommy Imperfect, aka Rena Deepthi Annabelle, and this is a podcast where each and every week I explore different aspects of womanhood with the help of my fabulous guests. So let me introduce my fabulous guests for this episode, the episode which I have named Nutrition for Women. And so my guest is nutritionist Manisha Morgan. Hi, Manisha. Hi, Vina. How are you? <laughs> good. It's really good to have you. Um, can I just first of all say that I have I followed you on Instagram for a while and I am absolutely loving your content because obviously it's informative, right? First of all, informative, like dropping gems all the time. And you are actually hilarious. <laughs> I think I'm going to put on my bio note, educator and entertainer. I think that's what I'm going to put on You there. have to, yeah. Yeah, because um, what is, what's that uh, character who, uh, with the blonde? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually she's making an appearance on Friday believe it or not she hasn't okay. been around for a while she needs to come back definitely um so so yeah she's uh hilarious and I, I I just love your content I think it's awesome and also like you give me hope to be honest because I'm 43 and I know that you're over 50 and you look amazing and obviously you're looking after yourself you know this is your field nutrition and so I'm going to just get some kind of secrets from you today. Um, yeah. So how how, um, how long have you been a nutritionist? Well, um, actually, not that long. So um, my journey to nutrition started um, probably when I was around about 38. And um, I was going through IVF. And um, that's the first time I discovered the power of nutrition and what difference it made. So on my fifth cycle, I decided to look into this whole food thing, uh, literally did not know anything about anything to do with food at that point. And I made a few changes to my diet. And who knows if it was the diet or lack of stress, the meds, I don't know, but I got pregnant. And uh, that was my first kind of like um, introduction to it, really, because I thought, wow, this is, uh, if it's because I changed my diet, this is pretty remarkable. Um, that was my first uh, step into nutrition. And then when I was around about 46, 45, I started to go through the menopause. And it was then really that um, I took a really big interest in nutrition, uh, more of my health more than anything else. And then I decided to um, qualify as a nutritionist. So probably, I think maybe when I was about 48, so about three years ago, just before lockdown, I qualified. And um, here I am at nearly 52. So I've come into the uh, into the whole industry very late. And I, again, I hope that that gives people um, some um, encouragement to to know that actually you can change your lifestyle. Yeah. As late as you need to. It doesn't make a difference. But if you can do it earlier, the better. Definitely. I, I think that uh, if I look back to when I conceived my kids, because I've got three kids and I feel like every time that I got pregnant, it was, I don't know if this is a coincidence or, you know, what I was eating or whatever, but it was at a time when I was really at my like peak level of, you know, eating right, working out all the time. Um, and that that's, and I, I do actually believe that that was part of it. You know, I wasn't like under loads of stress or anything and I had, I was just being really regular with my health and my fitness and my my diet. So I think it is nutrition that. plays a key when it comes to trying to conceive because look at the end of the day you need healthy sperm and you need healthy eggs and how are they going to become healthy? You have to provide the right nutrients for your body in order to produce healthy eggs that are going to be successful um, to make a baby. It's not just about having um, just producing eggs full stop it's about producing good quality eggs and sperm because it's 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 both the male and the female right so uh, I mean I now know how important that is back then I you know one of the questions that you are that you're about to ask me is what habits did I change mm. and uh, my diet was appalling um, I look back okay. and I think oh my gosh like I'm surprised that I even managed to survive if I'm honest with you so um, what were you, you know, eating pardon what were you eating um, well, so I, in my 20s, I was an air hostess. So all of my 20s, so throughout the 90s, 
I lived on junk food and uh, just eating away from home all the time. I worked night shifts. So um, when I used to land at Heathrow on a, uh, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I'd always pass a Burger King on my way home. So I'd always nine out of 10 times get a Burger King on my way home. When I was doing night flights, I'd get up in the morning or I'd come home in the morning and I would love to have like a packet of Watsits and Madeira cake. So my eating habits were terrible. In my (laughs) 30s, they got a little bit better. But when people say to me that they struggle with food and have a sweet yeah. sweet tooth, that is me. I still have a sweet tooth now. Um, but what I've learned to do is to learn to eat better, learn to eat in proportion, and um, don't give up anything. Um, just learn to eat better. And that kind of naturally in itself helps you to um, curb the cravings anyway. So, yeah, my diet was it, it really was atrocious. And the word protein, I didn't even know what that was until I did the marathon. And that was when I was about 37. So um, I've learned all of these things quite late on in life. But even then, I didn't know the importance of all of that stuff, really, until I started studying nutrition. And then I thought, wow, blimey, this is big. I think it it is mad though. Like I think in our twenties, okay, you know, most of us were eating like absolute trash, and like you know, if you grew up in the eighties and nineties, like there was a lot of trash on offer, and nobody knew any different. You know, we would honestly like the stuff. We used to probably like put sugar on top of frosties and do stupid yeah. stuff like that. Um, you know, and have I, I remember like me and my sister once the meal that we made for ourselves was a potato waffle in a sandwich, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in two slices of bread. Um, with ketchup all over it accompanied by chips and potato salad like what is that carb fest that's, that's what it is that's insane like what were we even doing eating that like if my kids were to eat that I'd be like mm, should you not balance that out somehow but I don't know like I just think that at that time it wasn't and we didn't care anyway um did you ever eat the the the, uh, the plain food though since you were air hostess oh yeah 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 and, and again now I know um you know back then now you have people like companies like Marks and Spencers doing yeah. your onboard catering. Right back then we didn't. So yeah, we used to have. Um, I used to eat the meals. We used to have all the chocolates. Um, you know that we used to give out as freebies back then. Literally everything. But you know what? I could get away with it then, right? Because I was in my twenties. So back then we weren't educated uh, uh, to learn about having a leading a healthy lifestyle, um, maintaining your physique. Now I think anybody especially in their 20s and 30s, they're growing up knowing this. This is the norm to them. You know, the gym, I remember it was 1996, right? Probably I was about 30-something, early 30s maybe. And um, the the gym was just becoming a thing, 1996. Um, And then slowly over the last 10 years, most people that you probably know now, um, you know, attend a gym. So all of these things kind of were, were evolving as I was getting older. Now, people growing up in their 20s and 30s, this is the norm for them to go to a gym, or at least, you know, it's on their radar, even if they don't go, they're aware of the benefit, they're, they're aware of the consequences of leading the lifestyle that they are leading, whether it be positive or negative. Mm. Whereas we didn't know that. I certainly um, didn't know that when I was in my twenties and thirties. I didn't. I definitely didn't know. But I, then I haven't been one of those people who could ever get away with it. Like I would think I was quite a chubby kid, and I've come on my own journey of like being quite chubby and then inactive as well, like not doing sports or anything, rubbish in pee, like one of those kids, and um, you know, just and then like struggling with weight, like I always have a little bit, so I've always had to keep an eye on it. Whereas you know, I've got friends um, who have eaten like you know five packets of crisps a day whatever they wanted to and nothing happened to them and now because we are in our early 40s you know now if I go to lunch with my friends like I was literally shocked once because because I've got like like two of my very good friends have always been like chips on the side type of people and yeah. then they're now looking at me like are you eating carbs like what are you doing and um, so this is what this is that's a big question now right for people carbs are carbs the enemy because you did a post about this recently like what is the deal how much should we be eating should we be avoiding it if we don't want to um put on the pounds i'll answer that question in a minute but um, i'll just go back to something that you said earlier on about how um as a child you were chubby um looking back now knowing what i know and my diet Mm. um Mm. what was my saving grace was i've always had active jobs Right. So when I was an air hostess, I was looking, you know, again, looking back, I was probably doing 12, 15, 20,000 steps a day. So um, and then um, when I changed industries, again, it was another very active job. I was walking around hospitals all the time. So my jobs have always been really active, I think. So that that helped me to stay in Mm. shape despite my diet. So I think your job has a massive um, impact 
on uh, you and your lifestyle as well. But obviously, most people don't know that. Most people can't change it either. Um, so, um, yeah, so go back to your question about are carbs bad? Do we need them? They are not bad. Uh, we certainly need them in our diet. We need to be more mindful about the types of carbs that we eat. And one of the most frustrating things about being in this field is there is so much um, incorrect information out there misinformation disinformation and it's very confusing even sometimes I come across something and I think wow that looks really that looks like it could be quite uh, scientifically researched and then when I go and research it there is no science behind it and I work in the pharmaceutical field so I'm used to looking at studies uh, looking at how they kind of uh, um, planned out uh, how they interpret the results so I also now know that if somebody says research what does that research mean? Whereas to a normal person, they might not understand what, um, you know, what a study might mean. But uh, you have different tiers of studies and, uh, you know, yours want to look for the most robust one. So, um, no, it's something that we, we definitely need carb looks. It, it's our primary source of energy. Our brain needs glucose. Um, we get all of our fiber from our carb sources. So it's a question of distinguishing between the ones, the carbs are nutritious, i.e. rice, potatoes, pasta, vegetables uh, versus crisp chocolate cake, because one gives you one group gives you nutrients. The other one doesn't. They just make you feel good and they taste good. So we just need to understand the difference between the two and both. You know, um, you have simple, uh, simple carbohydrates, which are the crisp chocolates, cakes, etc. We can still include those in our diet. We just need to make sure that we eat more of the other stuff, the nutritious stuff. Okay, but then if if people are on, you know, a weight loss journey, how much of these things like rice, roti and this kind of thing, this should they be eating? Because I've had conversations with people, Manisha, and then, you know, from Indian backgrounds, and it's like, oh, I haven't touched roti for ages. Oh, I, I don't eat rice anymore. You know what I mean? So you can't have those traditional foods anymore. Uh, like, what, what do you think? Uh, you most certainly can, which is why I, in fact, I would say probably... 50% of my diet is from Indian food. Um, I probably would eat more if I had the time to cook more. Um, and I don't know where these kind of myths came from. And it doesn't help that you have people from nutritionist professionals from our own community telling you that you can't eat it. That doesn't help, you know. Um, how much does everybody need to eat? That's going to be dependent on you as an individual because carbs really should reflect your activity. So whether your carbs are coming from rice, potatoes, pasta, or, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what it's coming from, we need to be mindful of do they reflect the amount of activity that you're doing. So, for example, if you're a, you know, 65-year-old um, lady, retired, not very active, um, and your carb intake is the same as mine, then I'd probably question that that's probably not right because my carb intake is very high because I'm active, uh, I lift weights, I exercise, um, I do a lot of walking. So I need that that fuel mm. to, to get me through all those workouts. So for a, a lady who's 65, retired and not doing much, I'd probably say, look, instead of having roti and rice, maybe have one or the other or have one roti and a little bit of rice, if you like both. Yeah. So it's never about giving something up. It's about finding the best solution for that person and what are their preferences. Because I can't imagine any older Indian person anyway or South Asian person giving up their cultural foods. And why should they? Because you've grown up with it. You enjoy it. It makes you happy. Food is also there to make you happy. It's a social it's a socializing thing, cultural thing. So we have to embrace it. And um, and if you want to include it in your diet, you absolutely should, just in the right quantities. Um, so Joe Wicks, in, in his books and his programs and things like that, I was reading somewhere that he said that if he's going to go out for dinner or if he wants to eat carbs, he does a HIIT workout beforehand. So that's his rule um, to kind of either it's like a very low carb meals or if you want to have carby meals do a workout beforehand do you believe that that's the right thing like should well, we be thinking I mean, along yeah, those lines look it's all about burning energy right so um if you're going to eat um a, a significant amount of food and then you're gonna sit down all evening and not do anything you're not really expending much energy 
does it have to be before you go out not necessarily what i would say to my clients is look if you know you're going out on a saturday um evening then you've got monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday to make sure that you get your steps in maybe do an extra workout it doesn't have to be before the event it could be the day before it could be the day after it doesn't matter as long as you are keeping active in some form or another it doesn't have to even be exercise but if it's exercise then even better so um yes there is some element of truth in that um i think sometimes we get a little bit tied up in um the the minor the, the minor little things like well it has to be before a workout uh, before you go out for dinner no it doesn't have to be but if you can fit it in then great yeah absolutely right so so we do need to be really mindful still doesn't matter what we're eating of what physical activity we're actually doing and try and build it in so there's two forms of activity there's your daily activity your daily movement which mm -hmm. is uh, known as neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis which is just things like me moving my hands now going to the toilet washing up shopping you know walking to the car all that kind of thing gardening that is daily movement mm -hmm. then you have exercise which is classed as exercise activity thermogenesis they are two very different things they both count they both contribute towards your metabolism but which one do you think contributes more towards your metabolism? Rina, I'm going to ask you. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you think it's the daily movement or do you think it's um, exercise? Is it the exercise? I That's what I would assume. And you're right. Most people would assume it's exercise, but it's actually not. It's actually um, your daily movement. Um, because if you think about it this way, most people will exercise, let's just say, four times a week, right? That's four hours in a week. Mm -hmm. If you're awake 12 hours in a day, that's 84 hours in a week you're awake, right? And if you're only keeping active, doing something constructive in four hours, what are you doing the remaining 80 hours? Okay. So actually, it's probably walking or keeping active is the most underrated thing that you could do for your health and for weight loss if that's what you want. So keeping active is, I'm going to say, more important than exercise. Exercise is important, don't mm. get me wrong. But if you have to choose one or the other, walking. Mm. Okay, so so getting those steps in. Um, let's just talk about people who want to lose weight then, because you, I mean I have read this quote um, in on your website: "Stop dieting to lose weight." So, what do you mean by that? What I mean is that um, many women, uh, by the time they get to our age group, have tried, succeeded, and failed in a lot of diets. I think at this age, when you start to approach mid a mid middle middle life, we need to start thinking differently, and that is to stop dieting start thinking about learning new habits implementing them and changing your lifestyle mm -hmm. and as a result the weight loss will come as that and really start to focus on health more than weight loss because um when you get to and it's hard maybe like you know because I don't know if I would have been able to think this way but when you're in your 40s you need to start thinking ahead now start thinking what, what, where do you want to be in your 50s where do you where do you want to be in your 60s and i can tell you now there's a lot of people my age already uh, i've just done a post on this today actually uh, um, who are already struggling with aches and pains yeah why are they struggling with aches and pains because they're not moving enough they're not eating well enough and it's to minimize those kind of um things which can stop us from leading a healthy lifestyle so we need to start focusing on more on the health part of everything mm. rather than the weight loss. But then the weight loss will come as a result. It, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's like, you know, some people say to me, because I, I love working out. Like I just, I just love that feeling of, you know, when you've worked out and I, it just helps me in my life to cope with life basically. And then, you know, people are like, oh, you know, are you, um, you're working out like you're trying to lose weight. I'm not trying to lose weight anymore. I'm trying to maintain. And as you will know, Manisha, maintenance is not a joke at, yes, at this age, hard. right? Maintenance is uh, so hard. But um, I just feel like, I don't know, I, I, it makes me feel better about everything. And uh, yeah, with the weight, I feel like it's just I can eat a bit more what I want to eat if I'm if I'm working out and stuff, I think. Exercise definitely um, is a uh, can help you to lose weight. It's not necessary, but I would say exercise because of what you've just said, because it makes you feel good, it improves your mood, and more importantly for health as well. And like I said, then the weight loss will come. But um, I don't believe in let's um, exercise to burn calories. Um, I don't. I don't believe in that. Let's burn off. You know, 
the chocolate that we just ate. Um, it's quite an unhealthy approach towards mm. looking at dieting. So um, an exercise can make some people hungry. It's very um, individual. Uh, strength training for me doesn't make me hungry, but cardio makes me hungry. No, sorry, cardio suppresses my appetite, where strength training makes me hungry. So it can be very different for different people. Um, and you'll only know that once you st start doing it yourself, you know. Um, but so it, yeah, exercise yeah. isn't, uh, it's not necessary, but it definitely does come with a lot of benefits. And I was, I would say later on in midlife, it's something that people definitely should consider. But it is that change in mindset, isn't it? Like, oh you know exercise is not a punishment because some people think of it as a yeah. punishment and or oh I'm eating healthy because oh my god I'm punishing myself but I really want to eat crisps and chocolates like because I feel like it's taken a lot of years for me to get to that point where it's like you know these are good things they're normal things to do that the healthy eating and the exercise and they're just what how we should be living it's not like I'm punishing myself or doing anything oh so special absolutely and do you know what all of that comes with education so a lot of what I do with my clients is I talk about the education side of everything so if I ever make any recommendations give them ideas I always tell them why and um uh something that you just said then I was going to come back to um which was really important see this this is one of the symptoms of menopause is you have brain fog and you forget um it was really important as uh, well mm. it will come back to you I'm going to talk to you about menopause um in a bit actually but I, I wanted to just talk about you know because we're talking about women specifically okay so women and men obviously you know in the age of gender equality and everything we think okay we're supposed to be doing all the same things and stuff but when are we supposed to be eating the same are there things that we should be eating um you know specifically as women due to hormones this and that and uh you know portions and things like that how should we be eating as women uh so i'll answer that one in a minute and i've remembered what it was it was when you were saying about changing your mindset and um that is probably uh so i've just started a six-week coaching program and yesterday we talked the first week is always about mindset because that is the most important transformation you are ever going to make and it's the one that you can't see and you'll probably notice Rina that on my Instagram page I don't have any before and afters um, and the reason for that is a deliberate decision a conscious decision is because when you see I totally understand that it's very uh, motivating to see somebody lose 5, 10, 15, 20 kilos I get it but what you don't see is how did that person get there yeah. yeah what so steps true. did they take did they have to eliminate carbs did they have to exercise seven days a week what did they do to get there and um for me the biggest transformation that i want to work on with my clients is up there because once the mindset tra is transformed everything else will follow because then you don't need to punish yourself with um feeling guilty you don't need to feel that you oh god you had a cheat day um yeah. so those kind of things are, are very important and the mindset thing you're right it is the most difficult thing to transform but it's the most important one um which can take time it's taken me years and i would say even still on some parts of my journey i'm still working on it and i share quite a lot of that on my instagram because what you see on social media everyone just gives you all the good stuff that happens you know yes you can do this yes you can do that but actually behind the reality um there are lots of things like you know today I just mentioned about how it's the first time in five days I've actually gone out for a walk because I, I was busy that that's the reality I'm a working mum you know I've got, I've got a busy life and as much as I would love to go out every day most days I do go out but there are times when I can't you know so it's just about keeping it realistic um and um our journey is always going to be up and down, up and down. You're going to have good phases. You're going to have busy phases. You're going to have phases where you've just completely, uh, you know, fallen off the wagon, so to speak. That is real life and that is going to happen. Um, so just to go back to your question about men and women, should we be eating differently? Well, we are, we are created very differently. So, yes, we do need to eat differently. And especially when we start to approach the menopause years, we need to completely change how we eat. Whereas men don't um they don't have that big transformation that they're going mm. to go through at any stage in their life so there are some things when you approach your 40s personally I think you should start making these changes before the menopause hits you or at least be educated to know what to do when that time happens because for me all my whole lifestyle changed about four or five years after the menopause um 
and sometimes I think, God, if only I would have known this before, would I have done something different? Would I look different? Would I, you know, obviously that's natural to think that, but the fact is I changed. Yeah. And uh, it's proof that you can change your lifestyle, Mm -hmm. lose weight at any age, even despite the menopause. Well, I mean, you're looking fabulous now. So you've obviously, you know, (laughs) you you know your stuff now. So what what are the things that we should then stop and start eating then as we're around the 40 mark? As women, I would say definitely um, stick to the 80-20 rule, it's called. So 80% of your diet comes from nutritious foods. That's protein, uh, fibre and vegetables. And then the 20% could be from wherever you want it to be. But within that 20%, one big thing that you need to focus on is protein. Because as we age, there are lots of changes that are occurring to everybody. Uh, One of them is called sarcopenia, which is age-related muscle loss. Uh, and this happens to men and for women. But once you start to hit the menopause, that loss of muscle occurs a lot quicker. So we need to try to retain as much muscle mass as we possibly can. And the earlier, the better. So there's two ways of doing that. Number one is including more protein, which is why you need more protein as you get older. And number two is strength training, not cardio, not hit strength training, because, again, strength training will help to retain that muscle mass and or build it if that's what you want so I go through phases of maintaining and then building muscle mass and then maintaining again so I'm not saying everybody should do what I do Um, you most definitely don't need to be lifting heavy weights or anything like any form of resistance training um, is going to be beneficial Uh, but you could speak to a you know a personal trainer about that but um, those are the two main things I would say that should that should be different for a woman versus a man is your need for protein increasing and strength training because we need to combat the the symptoms, the long-term symptoms of the menopause. Because all you hear about are the short-term symptoms, right? Yeah. Are people talking about the, the brain fog, the night sweats, mm. the moods, the, the anxiety. They're all the here and now. But the long-term effects are the sarcopenia or the osteoporosis is the increase of uh, a risk of heart disease. Those are the things that we need to be thinking about as well as the here and now. Yeah. Um in terms of protein like you know when I think of all oh, protein with every meal I think of like you know slabs of chicken or huge bits of fish and things like that um but uh, like how it's it's difficult isn't it to kind of think how much am I supposed to be eating because I haven't actually grown up with like food where we have like huge cuts of meat and stuff like that you know what I mean like how much well, I'm vegetarian. is vegetarian so I'm vegetarian I've been vegetarian right. all my life and this was one of the things that I believed um self-limiting belief right is that I thought well I'm never going to build muscle because I'm a woman and I'm vegetarian um and again little did I know but it's totally possible on a vegetarian diet it's a little bit harder absolutely Um, and I even used to make myself eat fish just for the protein which is why now I'm very much against if you don't like it you don't eat it it's as simple as that because there's nothing worse than knowing that the food that you're about to eat you don't want to eat it So no, you don't need to eat heaps of chicken. You need to have a varied diet with different sources of protein. And how much you eat is dependent on your, on a couple of things. First of all, it's dependent on your body weight. And secondly, if you're exercising, then you need to have a little bit more because you need to prevent the injury, recover properly. And also if you want to build muscle mass, then you need a little bit more. And then actually the, the third one is as you get older, you need to have more protein. So there is no generic everyone needs to eat 80 grams or 60 grams it's very much dependent on you but the one advice that i would give is wherever your protein levels are now just aim to go a little bit higher each week mm-hmm. because then just make that gradual change uh, and educate yourself on protein because it's the one thing that you're going to need it's the one thing that's probably the most difficult to achieve but it totally can be done a hundred percent because i do it as a vegetarian, where do you get where, where where do you get yeah. your protein from? Are you talking like dal, beans, things like that? I eat everything. I, you know, there's not um. So you know, I, I eat beans, I eat lentils, I eat um, uh, uh, protein powder, uh, cheese, yogurt, plant based meats, anything really. I mean, I obviously I'm educated in that, and that's what I teach people as well. Is how can you get those protein sources in? And the only thing I would say as a vegetarian is you need to be a little bit more more open minded to at least trying new things. Okay, so there are people that might say, well, I don't want to eat plant plant based meat because it's it's processed. 
well, actually, plant-based meat is very high in protein and it's very high in fiber if you choose the right one. But if you think that pro- eating processed foods is going to be bad for your health, then what about the alcohol that you're drinking? Mm. What about the stressful life that you're leading? What about the fact that you're sitting on your backside not doing anything? They are probably more detrimental to your health than having some processed plant meat every now and again. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so th- those are probably my main sources is dairy. Um, although I don't really eat that much of it. But, um, you know, I have a shake when I go to the gym. Uh, I get a lot of protein from my dal lentils rice that kind of stuff um and then snacks as well you know so i try to keep my snacks protein based wherever possible um so nuts you know things like that um so it's just trying to have like a variety of everything um but like i said most important for a vegetarian is to be open-minded and if you're vegan it's even more difficult because uh, you'll see lots of things on the internet saying, oh, vegans and vegetarians can both hit 100 grams of protein a day. Of course you can. Absolutely you can. The challenge becomes if you're trying to get 100 grams in within a certain calorie amount, that's when the challenge becomes. Because then you've got to get your protein in, get your fiber in, still get a little bit of the foods that you enjoy in. And that's when it becomes quite challenging. Because you know things like nuts like obviously they are high in protein and people say oh you know if you're hungry and you're trying to be healthy eat nuts eat nuts I'm sorry but when I start eating things like nuts like you know I'm just this I eat like about 100 nuts as in you know what I mean they're yeah. quite they're really nice they're really moorish but they're quite high in fat aren't they like calories yeah so nuts calorie actually dense. is um is a source of fat rather than a protein but they do contain some protein and uh I mentioned this in stories today is that eating healthy doesn't equate to to weight loss because eating healthy a lot of the healthy foods are actually quite calorific, like nuts, um, olive oil, avocado. Yeah. They're all healthy for you, but they're all calorie dense, you know. So sometimes you think, well, I'm going to have a healthy salad. But that healthy salad, before you know it, would probably be higher than, you know, than having a burger or something. So um, whilst it's important to eat healthy, you might also, for some people, be mindful of how many calories they're consuming as well, um, if weight loss is, is the goal because my husband says that to me because like I like having salads and roasted veg and things and I make dressings to put on he's like what are you doing putting dressings on do you know like obviously you've got like <laughs> calories in there and I'm like I don't care because I want to eat this food and it tastes nice with this and I don't care that it's got a few more calories um but yeah so, so that's just a, a personal thing but what do you think about calorie counting like do you think that that is necessary to calorie count if we do want to lose weight Right. So it's a really controversial topic that I've spoken about quite a few times. Um, I think I always give I always give clients the option. There are pros and there are cons to calorie counting. And at the end of the day, you have to find what works for you. And if something is going to be stressful and going to cause you anxiety, then don't do it. So but it also makes a difference if you're calorie counting and working with a nutritionist because they teach you how to do it properly. So. There are all all the negative things that you hear about calorie counting. A lot of it is true because, look, it's not just about the calories that you're consuming. It's also about getting the nutrients in. Because, look, you could if you wanted to lose weight, you could easily do that on Domino's, Pizza's, Subway's, McDonald's. As long as you're, you're within your calorie range, you can lose weight because weight loss is all about being in a calorie deficit. So eating less than you're expending. But we know that from a health perspective, that isn't very good. So it's when people are calorie counting, but not doing it the right way. That's when it become can become an issue. So I am, I never calorie counted until I was about 48. Um, I didn't see the need to. I, I remember my very first PT telling me. Oh, are you just frozen? Are you frozen, Manisha? Let's see if we can get you back. Bear with us if you're watching. Manisha has just dropped out. Um, but listen, if you have any questions, hopefully she'll be back in a minute. Um, be back with us. If you have any questions, you can actually put them in the uh, the comments and um, she can answer them. We can have a little chat about them when she comes back with us, which I'm hoping will be very soon.
Okay, I don't know what is going on with Manisha. Um, I'm hoping that she comes back with us soon. Um, anyway, I just want to say thank you for those who are watching and I hope that you are getting something from this. I'm I'm hoping that Manisha comes back because I've got loads more things to ask her. Like, you know, like with um, in Indian culture, you have things like garam food, tanda food. Like, what does that all mean? You know, foods that we're supposed to be um, maybe not combining. Um, so... Let me see. She's back. Hi there. I'm so sorry. That's, That's my okay. internet. It just decided to go off. I'm so no, no. sorry about that. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, I can't. We were talking about calorie counting, and I was also just saying, you know, as you were trying to come back on, um, things like you know all these dissy things that we have about food, like garam food, tanda foods, foods that you're not supposed to combine. I wanted to ask your views on that as well. I'm going to be honest. Um, it's not something that I even look into because you see that's what I mean sometimes you get so involved in the nitty-gritty that you lose focus of the bigger thing so no I'm not a fan of talking about things like that like, oh, I've never said that. That. yeah because and it is confusing because you know like older people have said that to me in the past like this is good um, don't eat that because you'll get nosebleeds or something like that so okay yeah. fine. fine are there things in your opinion that we're like foods that we shouldn't combine or foods that are, are as women detrimental to us somehow because you know yesterday I was talking to my mum about this and she actually said to me that uh, she's heard that um, orange juice as an older woman you shouldn't be drinking orange juice because of joint pain or something um right so I've never heard that one um what I would probably say about orange juice if you want to give that example is um if you to make one glass of orange juice you probably need five big oranges right mm. okay in five big oranges you're going to get a lot of fiber so could you eat five big oranges no you can't yeah. right so drinking orange juice is taking up a lot of calories and that is sugar without the fiber so i would probably say to somebody if you're struggling to get fiber in your diet don't drink orange juice eat the orange instead yeah I mean, I, I, yeah. say that, I say that to my kids because I want them to eat more fruit. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's, I've never heard of the inflammation thing though with orange juice. No. But there are some foods that you can't eat if you're on certain medications. Like for example, um, if you're on a statin, I used to sell a statin. That's why I, I won't mention the name just in case I shouldn't. But there is one in particular where you can't eat grapefruit because of that. Yeah, yeah, I have heard it's that. Yeah, so there might be some things like that, but in in my in my in my world, there is nothing that you can't eat unless there's a medical reason why you can't. So if you're gluten intolerant um, or you're celiac, then obviously yeah, you have to watch you know the kind of carbs and stuff that you eat. So um, in in that respect, if you're um, you know suffering with IBS, then yes, there are certain foods that you can't eat. So unless there's a medical reason, there's no reason for you to cut out any specific food group. And in fact, what happens is, let's take bread, for example, because this is quite common, people cut out bread from their diet thinking it's bad for them, they're eating too much, it's making them gain weight, whatever the reason is. And then what happens is six months later, they'll come back to eating bread, and they'll start having stomach problems. And they'll say, see, I knew it. I knew it was the bread that was giving me all these problems. But in fact, what's happened is once you stop giving up a food, you stop producing the enzymes that your body needs in order to break down that food. So then when you start to eat it again, you start to have stomach problems because um, there are the enzymes there in order to break it down. So you can actually cause more harm to yourself and your body by giving up foods if you don't need to um then just keep eating it so uh, there are lots of things like that, that we shouldn't be doing that we probably don't know right um that's so interesting because I, I do you know I think this day and age people are like oh my god you eat bread like what the hell are you doing you know I just have a bowl of eggs it is that kind of a there is this thing that is seen like bread where it's seen as like oh it's just too too many carbs we don't need that in our lives we're going to gain weight you see with bread this is how i see with most foods is i look at it and i think right, okay is that going to give me some nutrients what's it going to give me and actually bread is great because it gives you a little bit of protein can give you some healthy fats and it gives you loads of fiber if you choose the right bread so why wouldn't i include it and somebody and i did a post once on uh, beans baked beans and oh my gosh i can't tell you how many people said beans I thought beans were high in sugar 
And I said, well, everything's high in sugar when you think about it, because all carbs are sugar. But let's see what what does beans gives you? It gives you fiber and it gives you protein and quite a lot of it as well. So half a tin of uh, baked beans would probably give you at least 10 grams of protein and about maybe five or six, seven grams of, of fiber. So why wouldn't you include that in your diet? Yeah. You see, so it, it, it's going back to that thing about mindset and um, and being educated on on the foods that you're eating, because as long as something is giving you some nutritional value, there's absolutely no reason for you to cut it out. Um, so as part of my little conversation with my mom yesterday, you know, we were talking about bone density and that kind of thing. You did mention a bit earlier on, you know, these things like bone density, um, uh, we start losing that as we age. So, you know women who are more mature or so like you know 60s what are there foods that they should be eating to kind of uh, preserve that bone density and so that they don't get things like osteoporosis and things like that yes that really kind of starts like I said earlier on really but obviously if you're already at that age now then there are some things that you can do exercise is one of them that can help and protein um, what we want to try to do, you see, is minimize. So this is what I was saying that when, when I was saying about talking about your future in 10, 15, 20 years time, because a lot of it we can not necessarily prevent, but we could definitely minimize like your risk of getting osteoporosis, for example, by eating the protein now and doing the strength training now. Um, but for a lady of that age, same with my mom, you know, is um, just make sure that the protein is 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 kept high. Uh, higher than usual and this is going to be quite difficult with somebody of that age because they've already formed their habits yeah. of a lifetime so they're harder to break so when I had this conversation I had it when I was recently in India about you know people wanting to wanting their parents to change and I said look it's going to be really difficult because people our age are resistant to change so why would you expect somebody who's 65 70 all of a sudden start listening to some nutritious advice because most of the time they won't but the best that we can do in that situation is to get them to include a little bit more of the good stuff and maybe reduce a little bit of the fried food probably um so any improvement is a win at that age in my opinion mm -hmm. because you're not going to get it's unlikely that you're going to get somebody who's going to completely change their diet change their lifestyle at 65 70 if they do then that's brilliant but it's unlikely but things like exercise and higher levels of protein that should yes. help with things like 100%. that then yes okay yeah um, that, that's for bone density and for muscle loss they're both the, they're both the same in terms of protein and strength training will help with both of them so sarcopenia is a um, age-related muscle loss and uh, osteoporosis obviously is the um, lack of bone density as you get older so we need to work on both of them not just the bones God, we really have to be on it don't we as women we've got to be on it you know, you know what this is um this is why i preach a lot about how you need to you need to change everything in your 40s unfortunately um and this is why i say stop dieting because it's now about a lifestyle change now so if you can give up bread for the rest of your life and not drink alcohol and you know then that's fine give it all up but if you want to include it in your life then we need to find that way of how are you going to include your indian food into your diet include the chocolate that you enjoy into your diet we need to find that way of doing it and it's totally possible just need a little bit of a helping hand sometimes uh, in doing it. So we have to see it as more of a long-term rather than a short-term thing. Um, another question I was going to ask you, what's your view on intermittent fasting? I think intermittent fasting works really well for some people. Um, and if that's what you look, there are lots of different types of fasting protocols. Um, intermittent fasting is what we know it as, is uh, basically skipping a meal. And most people prefer to skip breakfast because they're not hungry in the mornings, which is absolutely fine. So if that works for you and your lifestyle, perfect, go for it. The only thing I'm going to say is um, if you are doing intermittent fasting, I do it most days, uh, is that the protein and the nutrients that you would have had at breakfast, you still need to get those in in your other meals during the rest of the day. Yeah. So if, say, for example, you would have had 30 grams of protein and 10 grams of fiber at breakfast, you still need to achieve that later on, which is probably where some people might not realize that. But um, your body still needs that amount of nutrients, regardless of whether you're doing intermittent fasting or not. I find it quite good because 
I mean, my intermittent fasting isn't like, you know, hours and hours and hours. It's I basically, I, I say to myself, six o'clock, you stop eating. So don't eat after six. And then from 10 in the morning. So it's the 10 till six thing. And one of my friends actually, I think she just lives a life in that way. So she said that that's what she does. So I was like, okay, let me just copy you for a bit and see how it goes. And, and it just, for me, cuts out the evening snacking. It's yeah. just like shop, uh, shop, so shop, go to bed. Mm. That's something different. That's called time restricted eating, is where you okay. stop eating right. on time. Um, but obviously, everyone knows it as intermittent fasting. And again, you know, there are so, something like that. So, some of the good habits that I had when I was before I knew all of this, that was one of them. Is I've always stopped eating at a certain time. Uh, but there is no, there is no time that's good. So it's not like if you eat something at five past six, or if you have breakfast, you know, or your intermittent fasting thing starts at eleven o'clock there is no set time, you can make that set time. Yeah. So if one day, you know, you've got guests around and you want to eat at seven o'clock, that's still okay. Uh, because you're still going to stop eating later on in the evening. Uh, it's when it's again, when like, I've been around people before, and they've said, Oh, God, come on, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. And I'm like, 10 more minutes for what? They said, Oh, well, I can eat at 12 o'clock. I'm like, but you can eat now. I feel like, no, I can't. No, 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 no. It's 12 to late. I'm doing well, nothing's going to happen if you eat at 10 to 12 or if you at 12 past 10, you know, so allow yourself that flexibility to be able to change when you need to, because then that'll just cause less stress. So basically with me, I eat when I'm hungry. So I ate today at 10 o'clock because I knew I was coming on here at 11. Right. Yeah. Um, if I'm hungry at eight o'clock in the morning, I'll eat at eight o'clock. If I can go till 12 o'clock without being hungry, I'll eat then. There, there are no fixed rules. And again, I think this is one of the things that people kind of get drawn into is um, is a minutiae of everything rather than just keeping things flexible and working with your day because every day is different. Right. So um, on a day that I'm going to the gym, my eating patterns might be different to what they are today when it's a non-gym day. At the weekend, it might be different. If I'm with my family, it might be different. So just keeping that flexibility is so, so important um, because then you don't get stressed out. Yeah. I think, oh, shit, you know, like, well, I've got to stop eating at six o'clock or whatever that might be. But going back to your six o'clock eating thing, um, that's got lots and lots of health benefits of um, time-restricted eating as well. So, yeah, if it works for you, then brilliant. Well, I mean, it it works now that I've actually, I'm, and I'm a bit more flexible as well. Like sometimes it's okay, seven to eleven or whatever. And I used to do stupid stuff like at you know two minutes to six, be shoveling food in my face in terms of overeating, thinking, oh my god, your intermittent fasting is going to start so quickly, yeah. shovel some more yeah. food in your face because you're not going to eat until ten, which is absolutely <laughs> stupid. Uh, so now I'm not that silly and I don't do that. I just have my a normal meal like a normal person, um, and but then try and do it you know before six or six thirty seven around that time I just try and do it then but for me I'm doing it because to be honest with you Manisha I could very easily put my kids to bed and sit there um having like a slab of cake every single night yeah and, and that is what I used bed. to do I well, used to do it were, I, and I think you know going back to your silly things that you did I think we've all done things like that um because we didn't know any different right and this is why it matters who you follow on social media because you could have your brain full with really stupid nonsense that isn't true, or you can educate yourself as time is going on. Now, when my kids were young, I used to um, put them to bed because I've got twins and there were a handful, I can tell you, alongside oh, a full time job. I used to put them to bed. And then I remember it was always about half seven. I used to get my crisp, my, 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 a piece of chocolate and uh, a drink ready, waiting for me to watch Coronation Street. And half the time I wasn't even hungry. But do you know what? It was a habit. It was a habit that I'd now got into because I felt that I deserved yes. to eat that because I'd had a really stressful day. Yeah. I deserve it. I'm a hardworking mom. Yeah. I deserve to sit here. And Hello. That was years of me doing that. Yeah. I deserve a nice but, cake and sit and, there. And how, how I graduated from that was... And this was, again, this was before I knew any of this. I thought, well, I just don't need to eat that because now it's just becoming a habit now is sometimes it's just the act of moving something to your mouth. So then I, I don't even drink hot drinks, but I started drinking green tea because I thought, well, it's a habit, right? I'm still putting something in my mouth. And that's how I gradually moved away from it. It's take, it took a while, but now I, I very rarely eat after, after dinner now. Um, but these are some of the ha habits that we have to unlearn um as we're getting older but there's nothing equally there's nothing wrong with having snacks in the evening if that's what you want as long as you're not binging out um because you haven't eaten 
enough during the day because that's what happens as well is sometimes you don't eat enough during the day um, or you haven't eaten enough good food mm. and then it comes to the evening and you're absolutely starving and then before you know it you've downed like three packets of crisps and a bar of chocolate so if you're going to have snacks in the evening make them mindful snacks yeah make sure that you've eaten well and if it, if you are if you are having a snack it's because you actually genuinely want it not because you're hungry and you're filling a gap from from earlier on in the day uh, right i i don't keep like unhealthy things in my house well some of them but like you know things like biscuits and those kind of things um I don't really have them because I would actually eat them all because you you know we are both moms and you know even if you're not a mom life is busy and you know there are those things that you reach uh, because you're like oh my god I'm so hungry quick 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 I need this before I cook the dinner because I'm just too hungry uh what are healthy snacks so I think that is a downfall like snacking what are the right things that we should be snacking on which aren't laden with calories and crap well um snacking can be anything so if you want to uh, what i would do is i would say okay well if you're gonna have snacks have maybe one nutritious snack maybe have one snack of whatever it is that you want so a nutritious snack could be uh, a handful a small handful of nuts better fruit um something like a fiber one which has got fiber in it a pot of yogurt um crackers and cheese uh, and then if you want a non-nutritious snack, um, you know, you've got crisps, you've got popcorn, you've got chocolate, maybe like, you know, stick to the two finger Kit Kat, uh, a, a small blue ribbon. So you can include all of those. But I tend to do a mixture of both, because if I'm having a snack that's got fiber in it, like a piece of fruit or yogurt for protein, then that's going to contribute towards my daily intake for my nutrients. And then if I want anything else, I'll have it as well. So it's kind of, you know, having the best of both worlds. But it sounds like you're talking about the quantity as well, because obviously ch- uh, crackers and cheese, great. But then if we've eaten like 10, that's not great, is it? Yeah, definitely quantities as well. Yeah. If your weight, if your goal is, uh, you know, to manage your weight, whether it be maintenance or weight loss, then yes, obviously, then that comes down to everything that you eat in a day. Uh, you need to be mindful of how much you're eating. Absolutely. Yeah. Because because weight, it, it is an issue, I think, as, as we get older, because metabolism changes, right? Doesn't it? Well, you have to read my post today and find out because that's exactly what it is. Um, But your metabolism does change, but not till you're about 60, I'm afraid. Okay, so I feel like I could be talking to you for hours. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you to share your um, website and your social media handle so people can actually follow you and get in touch if they want more info. So just give yourself a plug, Monisha. Um, so, well, as you hopefully realise that I'm an evidence-based nutritionist, um, lifestyle kind of coach, um, my website is www.manishayournutritionist.co.uk. My Instagram page is Manisha underscore your underscore nutritionist. And um, yeah, you'll, as I said earlier on in the show, I do a little bit of entertaining uh, whilst educating because I think it's the best way to grab people's attention. Um, And if something makes you laugh and there's a message behind it, then you're more likely to listen to it. So, um, you know, if that's the kind of thing that you're interested in, then give us a follow. It'd be great lovely um thank you so much for coming on here and thank you to everybody who's tuned in thank you for those to those who are listening please do share this episode because i think it will be helpful to a lot of women um follow me also at rena dianable or as sisterhood on mommy imperfect or instagram and um there is a facebook page mommy imperfect as well um thank you so much that is all from us until next time thank you very much rena